Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back, everyone, to Podside. Uh, this is, of course, Carlo, and uh, it is, if you've been checking our episode title, it is that time again. The wheel has turned, and uh, we have been... Uh, the, the, the current uh, Wheel of Time scholar has returned. <laughs> uh, the wheel has returned him to us. Uh, how you doing, Jeremy? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, you know, excited to be back to talk about this, but also... Not excited to talk about these episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think that's going to probably, uh, I think that's what they call in, um, the, the kids these days call foreshadowing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I am a uh, writer, Carlo. I know how to oh, do these things. <laughs> shit. You're right. Um, so yeah, uh, so the, the two episodes are, you know, episodes seven and eight, which are titled, uh, seven is the dark along the ways and eight, the eye of the world, which is, we finally have a title for the damn book, uh, <laughs> on the last episode. I don't know. You gotta get that title drop in there somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. Um, so, uh, yeah. And so at this point we have, I, I think, um, you had mentioned that uh, that possibly you had some issues uh, remembering what had happened. <laughs> yes. So I, I I will say that uh, that did not come unprompted. That was simply I I mentioned uh, before we started that uh, that I I sort of rushed through these to to sort of you know come come on here and talk about it with some sort of an informed opinion uh, i had watched them before and i barely remembered part like large parts of the last yeah. episode that's for sure i had a similar experience where like i watched it when it first aired and then when i rewatched it earlier this week i was like confused because oh. <laughs> it's like what i don't remember that happening at all and it's huh <laughs> just like yeah. looking at the at the uh at the screen with one arm on your hip going Huh. Yeah, like what? So that happened. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Not to be all Mar Marvel Cinematic Universe or anything, but so oh, that yeah. happened. <laughs> well, it, yeah, but like it is a, a seriously frustrating viewing experience to rewatch something and be confused by things happening that you've completely forgotten from the first time you watched it, you know? And not in like a compelling or interesting way where it's like oh man i forgot about that that's a cool detail that i kind of didn't notice but more like large swaths of the primary events of the last episode had like f f slipped through my brain like water through a sieve i mean yeah i i, I will i will uh, be the first to cop to the fact that my brain is a sieve these days uh but at the same time like that's you know like honestly if i am like if I'm 
watching credits roll and wondering, wait, what, what happened again? <laughs> yeah, that's might be a, a pacing or a writing problem in any case. Yes. Um, well, yeah, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it is a pacing problem in the last episode, particularly. Um, mm-hmm. But both of these last two episodes go so much faster than the rest of the series. Um, and again, in a way that's like not to their benefit. It's it's it makes them more confusing and frustrating to watch. But to play, you know, to be sympathetic, I I know they were having production problems due to COVID that probably contributed to that somewhat. But anyway, you know. Yeah. I mean, I I also like if if we want to be generous, uh, I also think that by the last two episodes, this has converted into a from a handful of characters with uh you know like vast numbers of small smaller roles that mm-hmm. are side characters and tangential stuff um it is you know become an unwieldy amount of people and then it becomes like it shifts to an ensemble cast uh yeah. much more so than than it was at the beginning where you could dedicate a little bit more time to each one of the characters a little bit more right yeah um so I mean, uh, at this point, you know, you, you're minus one character, uh, a very interesting <laughs> character, uh, but then you added, uh, God damn it! I, every time, it's it, I'm not going to stop thinking about this. Uh, <laughs> loyal, who is he's loyal to his capo, uh-huh. <laughs> loyal to his steady. <laughs> um, God damn it! Uh, yeah, yeah it, it is definitely one of those cases where his name is just his primary character trait, but that's that's from the books too. <laughs> no, yeah, that that's it's Robert Jordan. That wasn't a good one. Um, no. Anyway, uh, so so episode seven starts off, and and I think we had hinted at this a little bit beforehand, uh, and we talked a little bit of, about this off off the air uh, beforehand as well, but. Episode seven, I remember this one clearly. The cold open was something yeah. that everyone was talking about. Like, oh, wow, that's so badass. And, you know, and to be fair, it, it is badass if you're not thinking too hard about things, which yes. I mean, I don't know. So uh, I, I think I said ahead. in an earlier episode that other than the Loghain cold open, this might be my favorite one. And I mean that more from a like, First time I watched it, my experience in the moment was like, oh, my God, finally, a cool fight scene. There haven't <laughs> been any of these in the show so far. And it's well choreographed. And they've, like, gotten things correct about the a- the Aiel that I was sort of worried they wouldn't. And mm-hmm. then, you know, shortly after that, thinking through the sequence, it's it's not as good if you tune your brain on because it's it's just hard to believe it's like it it steps right up to the edge of the the sort of uh mm-hmm. barrier between my ability to kind of give something the benefit of my suspension of disbelief uh mm-hmm. where i can kind of accept it but at the same time it's like i don't know about this guys i think there was a better way to do it yeah i mean honestly at at this point it's 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 a weird thing uh to me that so the 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 the, the cold open starts with an unnamed aiel woman who is very pregnant like very <laughs> extremely pregnant. pregnant the most pregnant you can be because she's literally about to give birth <laughs> 
Well, not only that, but like she's got like a markedly like yeah. round belly, right? Yeah. They they've given her a prosthetic so that she looks very like unmistakably pregnant. Yeah. Uh whereas, you know, like I think we we had talked about this um previously as well uh, offline where, you know, if you looked at like if you take into consideration that the Aiel are supposed to be like these long ranging, like nomadic, you know, they're always on the move. They're probably like, these are the people that have like zero to 1% body fat. Yeah. Uh, and so then I, I, I immediately thought of like people that I've seen, like people that I know and people that I, that I've just seen, you know, along like, like mom joggers who are, you know, like maybe eight months pregnant and you look, you have to sort of squint and go like, Oh yeah, she's got a little bit of a belly. It's a little tummy. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I, 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 I find it. I mean, I get it. It's a, it's, it's supposed to be that you are visibly able to immediately tell that she's pregnant. Um, but I mean, it's it's a weird place to start where she's having basically like her water break and birth pangs, um, you know, contractions, I should say, uh, as she's fighting when like essentially anyone that I've talked to who has given birth has said that. No, <laughs> that is not a moment in which you are thinking of anything other than the amazing amount of pain that you're going through in the moment. Mm -hmm. it, it, yeah, I think that 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 for me, that's the thing that that struck me where it, it did pop that little bubble of, you know, a suspension of disbelief. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that uh, you're you're correct on both fronts. Like they should have, you know, taken into consideration that. Um, the character is going to be like insanely fit. And like you said, like a marathon runner who's pregnant and, and would show differently from the way that they have her depicted. Probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a, you know, I'm not an OBGYN, mm -hmm. but that's my, none of us are, or neither one of us are yeah. super experts, but, but it feels like observation. Yeah. And there's a, it feels like there's a way to do that costume and stuff uh, that would look a little bit more believable. Um, and yeah, like I, I, we had, you know, I, I, we talked about this a little bit, like you said, offline, but one of the things that we had mentioned earlier that I think would have made the whole sequence better is if they had just delayed the actual giving birth part until mm -hmm. immediately after the fighting, like, you know, uh, so for those who haven't seen the episode and are listening to this for some reason, she fights like four dudes, uh, over the course of about five minutes and it's not, um, it's not a, a, a small amount of physical effort she's putting into this. She's like flipping around and, and uh, mm -hmm. fighting with two spears and doing all kinds of crazy moves. She's and it looks awesome. Like, yeah, like, I mean, honestly, like the, the fight is well choreographed. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's not the fight sequence itself that I have issue with. Yeah. It's the framing of it, which is a very strange framing for me. Like yeah. she, she like takes like a flying leap grabs gr and, and as she's passing you know leaping by like she's doing like a like a like a roll uh like a, a dark souls roll <laughs> yeah <laughs> and grabs the guy's cloak and pulls him uh down with her and then stabs him through the fa face uh yeah. of all places uh instead of the throat weirdly um 
you know, there's a lot of, yeah, like you said, lots of cartwheeling and, uh, you know, like just, just facing off against, you know, three, you know, two, then three opponents at once. Yeah, that's right. It's three dudes. And then, um, but like toward the end of the fight, she gets wounded. And I think that the way they could have done this to make it work better and be a bit more believable is have the fight happen. She gets hurt. She's sitting there and then she goes into labor from a combination of the injury and physical exertion. Right. Um, And then like you can have the rest of the scene play out basically the same way it does where she gives birth. And then the fourth uh, dude shows up and and takes the baby away. Or maybe like she can't give birth because she's too badly hurt. And so she has him do like an emergency C-section or something. But like, I think I, Oh, sorry. My cat's banging around. She found something to bang. Anyway, um, I think it would have been way cooler if to do something like that. They could have had the fight scene just the way they have it. And then it wouldn't have felt quite as uh, ridiculous. Right. And in the text of the book, um, this character does give birth in the middle of a battle, but it doesn't say like literally while fighting. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they right, just, right. they went for like the most extreme, uh, sort of everything happening all at once kind of version of the scene, which usually is, is the way that, you know, screenwriters want to do things. They want to kind of have overlapping s- events so that you're basically like every minute of screen time packing as much conflict and information and everything as possible. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it just sort of doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the, like, re-watching the scene, I, I get that they want to have, like, that ticking clock mm-hmm. of her giving birth to be an underlying tension, where really, you could have just, like like you mentioned, you, you could have moved it back, or actually moved it forward, where yeah. she's already given birth, and yeah, then it becomes, and then it becomes protect the baby. Yeah. You know. Uh, because she's already given birth. She's, you know, like she hears like the, 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 I don't know, the scrabble of, of rocks, uh, as someone approaches just as she's cutting, you know, tying off the umbilical cord and cuts it and whatnot. And, uh, you know, it just becomes just protecting the baby from these horrible attackers who, you know, uh, given the fact that this is in the midst of a, uh, what is it? The Aiel war where they, they came over the spine of the world and just basically ravaged everywhere. (laughs) They just kicked everyone's asses altogether. They were, they were there to get one guy because he, uh, turned a tree that they gave him a very special tree into a throne. Uh, and in the process of getting that one guy, they kicked pretty much every kingdom in the world's, butt like really hard. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, again, these are the, <laughs> the magical Fremen. Yeah, who, they are. Who, they're, who are, who are just, just happen to look Irish. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> oh, Robert Jordan. Well, Whatever, you know. man. Um, um, yeah. So, but, I mean, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, but like, as much as I think the scene has problems, I still enjoy watching it. And I think. It's the best part of both of these episodes. <laughs> I sadly, I think, I, I think I have to cede that to you. Yeah. It is, it is one of the, the the better scenes in this in, in these two episodes. Yes. Um, yeah. So then uh, we we flash back to or flash forward back to present time, um, 
where uh, basically they're now in the ways. Uh, and this is a weird, I mean, again, uh, this may have been budget considerations. It might have been COVID stuff. Who knows? But the ways look very, very cheap. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> they do not look at all very dangerous. It no. looks like a, like it's all on one sound stage, you know, from one end yeah. of the, the, the voyage to the next. Yeah. It definitely uh, looks like they have some like foam walls that they've carved to look kind of like rocks and they're just sort of rearranging them slightly <laughs> to create different, like it's, it's called re it's called reusing your assets. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, but like, it just doesn't look good. And yeah, I it, do it have to wonder if it's cause COVID, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm willing to give him a little bit on that because it, it's, it's hard to convey. Also, like the, the, the thing that I remember about the, the machine shin was that it was like this weird, sort of interesting, creepy idea of just like something that is. Mm -hmm sort of like almost incorporeal but here it's presented as like almost like a locust swarm yeah um i didn't really like that because the i mean I, again it's one of those things where like whenever you make an ad, ad, like an adaption of a fantasy novel they're going to be things that are really hard to translate into visual media and machin shin is one of them because it's literally just supposed to be like a wind that is full of voices that are like saying creepy shit right mm -hmm. uh and it does like there are certain scenes in the first few books where it's described and like uh when it tries to escape from the ways it like turns the way gate shimmering kind of light black and then makes it bulge so there is a visual component to it in the books but in the it primarily when they're in the ways they never see anything and it, it almost feels like if they did it would be too late Right, mm -hmm. right, right. Well, I mean, uh, this is one of those things that it, it could have been instead of visually, like m mostly visually given, it could have been just a, an element of sound design. Mm -hmm. uh, and it could have been, I, I feel like if they really, really wanted to, um, to drive home just how sort of pervasive it is and weird and off-putting and uncanny uh it could have started as small very small little whispery voices that you know you just barely like the characters re somewhat react to and that you as the viewer can barely hear mm -hmm. and then slowly it becomes just like very loud um, yeah instead of like a weird locust swarm type of thing i don't know man. right right no something like that would have been cool because you could have had like you know, the the two rivers people kind of being like, what's that weird noise that we're hearing? And then like Moraine or Loyal could be like, yeah, don't worry about that too much. Uh, we just got to keep moving. But then as it gets louder <laughs> and louder, they have to finally explain like, yeah, that means that there's a weird uh, demon wind that's going to come try to kill us. So let's keep going, guys. <laughs> yeah, like they could have treated it like those uh, those places where they, they say that there's a hum. Yeah. Yeah, uh, something like that. We're just like it's an eerie noise that you you can't quite place at first, and then as it gets mm -hmm. louder, that indicates that it's getting closer and more dangerous. And that would have been yeah. a lot more like that would have been a lot creepier. Would have I think been a lot more horrifying, um, a lot more haunting than just like because the other thing that really bugged me was the the Monchenshin effect 
and the Shadar Logoth uh, presence effect were like weirdly similar. Um, and I and that was confusing because they're not the same at all. They're like very different things in universe in in the books. Um, and it's just kind of like. I don't know. It felt like they were almost like they had designed the effect for Shadar Logoth and then they were like, OK, we'll just do something similar to that. But it makes the two sequences feel too too the same because they're both just running from like an incorporeal black blobby thing that's chasing them (laughs) it's it's the happening but with like instead of just being (laughs) the wind (laughs) you actually have a little bit of cgi there um i mean i don't know it's 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 difficult to i think it's difficult to convey i'm willing to give him a little bit of a uh throw him a little bit of a bone there yeah but yeah I, i i found the overall effect like if they were worried if it's a budget consideration i feel like they if they'd gone audio mostly mm-hmm. audio only uh that would have been like a very like honestly it probably would have been cheaper a cheaper effect alt- altogether but uh, who knows who i don't knows? know um, but it, it would have yeah. been better i think probably i i feel yeah i feel like it would have been much more sort of psychological but then again like you know Jeremy, I, I hate to I hate to break it to you, but I think a lot of the people that um, that are tuning into this show, uh, you know, love it or hate it, uh, they're probably uh, people who frequent like those Reddit Reddit uh, writing boards <laughs> have very particular <laughs> ideas about how how things should should look and and be. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but I, I've seen a lot of. Um, Perhaps not so subtle takes uh, amongst that particular crowd. Um, I don't know. It's 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 hard to to gauge, and I feel like um, with someone like uh, Sanderson in in sort of like as a creative director, or I forget if that's the actual title they gave him or whatever. No, he's um, like a creative consultant. He really didn't have that much power over the show. They just kind of brought him in to ask him questions and Mm. then did what they wanted with the information he gave them. Mm, Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to pin it on, 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 (laughs) on Brando Sando, but uh, you know, I'm just saying that he also has some of, I feel like he has uh, a finger on the pulse of, of a a certain type of readership that would probably uh, respond well to, you know, sort of very, flashy effects is uh-huh. I guess is what I'm trying to get, get at rather than more psychological or, or vibes yeah. based as they call it. Yeah, perhaps. But I think also it's, it's not even that flashy of an effect. Like it doesn't look good. <laughs> like, uh, no, no. it's just like little black specks flying around. Um, <laughs> they're in the middle of like one of those <laughs> fly swarms. <laughs> well, that, yeah, but that's what it looks like. Like it, it, and it, it's not like cool. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 it definitely is confusing to me. Um, especially since there are certain special effects in the show that I thought were really cool. Like, I mean, I've complained about the, the, um, you know, gymnastics moves that the, I said, I do when they channel, (laughs) but the actual like magic visuals of the, you know, threads of the pattern weaving around and doing stuff, I think look quite good. So it's sort of baffling that, you know, they did that. And then when they're faced with the prospect of like, how do we communicate this uh, evil wind? The idea they came up with was black specks flying around. Um, (laughs) I don't know. It's, 
I, 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 I have to attribute it as I feel like I have to attribute a lot of the problems with these two episodes to the sort of production problems that they were having. Cause it really yeah. feels like a drop off in quality, like, like oh, off yeah, a yeah. cliff, you know? Yeah. Like don't, don't get me started on the blight, but that's next episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so then, uh, they, they managed to, to escape because, uh, Nynaeve, uh, basically holds them off. She, she, basically explodes out uh again does the exploding sort of sphere of power and holds off the the black wind they're able to get back out through the gate uh on the far side uh because i, I like uh they they find a trolloc in there uh they had found like the they have like these little guide stones, I guess, like with little inform <laughs> infographics on them. <laughs> yeah, they're just in the stone. <laughs> they're supposed to have like uh, literally directions for how to get from point A to point B through the it's, ways. It's so funny to me that, uh, you know, now that I think about it, it, it is hilarious to me that um, – that this magical uh sort of like semi magical semi uh sci-fi concept uh of the ways uh has like basically every juncture has like oh this is like you should have taken the a train <laughs> it's like a, yeah. a subway like a subway chart on it yeah um, they got little little you know exit signs for the off ramps to various destinations yeah yeah I mean, until it, you it, get, it also makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But until you, like in the books though, that changes when you get one like junction away from your intended exit. And then like a little blue glowing line shows you how to get to the door, which <laughs> is kind of, it's like, I don't understand. One of the weird things about some of the world building in the early Wheel of Time books is that it feels sort of out of step with stuff that Robert Jordan introduces later where like, the magic is a lot more sophisticated and advanced and cool. And then in like books one and two, the ways it's like, yeah, it's paths through a void. And um, once you get really close to where you're going, you get some magical help to find that. But until then you literally just have to like read ancient signposts. <laughs> so, it's kind of like, huh? Interesting. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, uh, Jeremy, I, 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 my brain has been poisoned by, uh, by, by playing too much Elden Ring. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now I'm thinking of the signpost, like with etchings that go, yeah. try finger, but whole. <laughs> Is this a dog? Yeah. liar ahead yeah it's Try like god damn it i can see the blue i can see the blue glow it's not a liar this is my junction liar ahead wow yeah. oh shit yeah anyway oh man so they get to faldara which is a, a, a i don't Borderlands remember kingdom. a what it's supposed to be a kingdom yes yes <laughs> well i mean it it's just like a, a basically what it looks like is like uh, sort of like a, a weird fortress, uh, city, yeah. you know, like straight out of like the ancient, you know, Middle East or something, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, Uruk or something. But then, uh, also, uh, the, you know, this is where, where, where land comes from. So, you know, the, the ruler is, I forget the, the, the king's name is, uh, what is his name? Oh man. Shit. I'm drawing Agam Agamar, Agamar. Agalmar, yeah, you're yeah. right, you're right. Um, and uh, his sister are in sort of like in control of the the throne there and whatnot. And uh, I, I don't know, it, it's just such a strange. <laughs> oh man, uh, I hated their mishmash the of things. Yeah, I was not into the presentation of Faldara at all. Um, 
it's it's again it's like weird and frustrating the way that they did some of these cities in this show um and in this particular case like the borderlands kingdoms are supposed to be big like in, like powerful kingdoms that are unique in that they're on the border with the blight and so most of their political and economic energy is directed towards waging like an eternal war against trollocs basically um but they are supposed to be big powerful kingdoms and that's why they're able to do that like the thought of a borderlands kingdom be- getting involved in like normal politics freaks everybody out in the rest of the continent right and i mean the, the, i i was just going to say that the I, I, this is both a an observation as well as probably something that they were actively trying to avoid, which mm-hmm. is essentially these are the North in Game of Thrones. Yes, they are. Absolutely. Uh, it's the same concept. Although the difference is that in, in, in the case of the Borderlands kingdoms, they are supposed to be like, uh, they are, they are the North in the sense that like Winterfell is part and like the Stark lands or whatever, are the ones who send the most people to the wall, but the wall is like supposed to be kind of in disrepair and like barely manned. And, you know, they don't really fight what they're there really to fight anymore. They just kind of deal with wildlings every once in a while. But Mm -hmm. in wheel of time world, it's supposed to be like, no, there's like an active campaign constantly ongoing against the Trollocs and the blight. Like these people are sortying out into the blight all the time to to like raid Trolloc encampments and stuff. And the way they're able to do that is they have a kingdom that is basically there to support the 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 war effort economically. So when they rolled up to Faldara in the show and it's like one city in the middle of a wasteland, I was just sort of like Oh no! No, this is wrong. I hate this. Be- between two mountains, no, no less. Yeah, no grass, no farms, nothing. Where did they get their food? What is going on here? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, it's magical. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's all magic. Um, but but I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, that that's all. And and then it also makes sense that uh, you know, like for instance, that. They they have a, a very uh, vested interest in trying to keep the blight uh, away, right? Yeah. Uh, try to manage it or mitigate it or you know keep it away because that will, in fact, you know, uh, cut and break through, you know, break their their supply chain, their supply lines, I should say, not their supply chains. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. so then. Uh, I forget. Then we get like a sequence where, uh, out of the blue, like uh, Moraine pulls pulls a, a a seer out of her sleeve and is like, "Oh, I'm going to take the take the, all these kids to the seer." It's like, and yeah. she's working. Apparently, she's <laughs> seeing doesn't pay well, so she's working at a bar. <laughs> she's got another okay. side job. <laughs> so yeah, okay. So Min is the character you're talking about, and. Earlier in the show, when they went to Tarvalon instead of Camelin, I was wondering, how are they going to get Min into the show? Because originally in the books, Min is just like, she works in a stable in Camelin and Rand just sort of runs into her and she sees like this aura around her that around him that freaks her out. And then they end up kind of becoming friends. Right. 
and she's known to Moraine, but she's not like most people don't know that she has this ability. It's like it's a secret thing. She keeps it secret. Uh, she, but she's sort of one of Moraine's agents out in the world. And so I was sort of wondering, like, how are they going to incorporate that character? Because the whole reason she's she shows up in the book originally is because everybody kind of just winds up in Camelin on accident. Um, and that's where she happens to be at the time. And so instead of like doing that and having her her join the party earlier and like get established as a character. And she is a very important character to the overall series. They instead just have her working in a bar in Faldara for some reason. <laughs> like, but <laughs> but the reason she's in Camelin is because like it's useful to Moraine to have her there as kind of an agent, like keeping tabs on things. And there's lots of important people that pass through Camelin, and she has visions when she looks at important people and blah blah blah. But it's like Again, like the, the the weirdest, laziest way to add a character in is just to make them work in a bar, right? Like that's not an interest. I mean, in the real world, that's a job people have. It can be an interesting job. But if you had that ability and you were not and, and like if Moraine was aware of that ability, Moraine would not want to just leave this kid working in a bar in the, the middle of nowhere. Get, get like the most talented uh, Oracle in that you that you've ever seen. And basically she dies in a tragic bar fight. Yeah. <laughs> just as a as a as a bystander, just not even not even the t the, the target of anything. Just yeah. Someone like, threw a mug. <laughs> if you want me like so in in. Uh, in the books, if Moraine wants Min to have a look at somebody, uh, Min's in Camelin, which is in like the middle of the continent, right? So it's it's pretty comparatively easy to get somebody to Min or move Min to somewhere so that she can, you know, have a vision of that person. In this case, she's in Faldara, which is in the literally in the middle of nowhere. It's like on one border is hell and then like it's miles north of anything else so it, it'd be like oh shit i need this person to like be viewed by men time to haul ass to like alaska so that we can no, have a vision it's, it's the equivalent of like going to lord of the rings and being like why oh shit gotta go to the last chance saloon or uh, out, out on the borders the, the mountains of shadow next to mordor you know yeah it doesn't make any sense it's like okay <laughs> weird place to have a tavern i guess yeah. So like I guess the implication is that even though Moraine knows about Min's power, she's like not actively using it for anything, which is wildly out of character for like this sort of spy mistress like sneaky character who's moving everything around to meet her agenda and it was frustrating, Carlo. I was frustrated by that. Probably more than a normal person should have been. I see. Well, you know, uh I forget. Uh let me let me see here because I I'm I'm actively forgetting what the what the rest of this episode is because I yeah. wanted like yeah. I, I'm 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 probably mixing it up with the next episode. I I do the same thing in my head because honestly nothing really important happens in this episode. <laughs> yeah, like they find that the sist like we we find out that the sister of Lord Agelmar yeah uh it was ha had trained at the White Tower, mm -hmm. but she hadn't. Um, completed her training i don't know why they would bother to give her a ring if it they yeah. like oh she's got a ring but no stone in it oh so, it's like yeah. so, so this is another like getting a graduation ring with no stone in it. it's like well, you get what? half of a graduation ring it's like you get half a <laughs> diploma but it's like 
This is another dumb thing where they're trying to like incorporate something that was in the books and interesting in the books by doing it with a completely different character. So in the books, Morghese, the queen of Amador, or not Amador, sorry, the uh, Andor, which is the town or the country that the Two Rivers is in, um, and also a, a, the country that has the closest ties to the White Tower. Uh, she trained in the White Tower as a child because she had a little tiny, tiny bit of magical talent. Um, but not enough to actually like become an Aes Sedai. Like she can't really do anything with it. She can just sort of tell when other people can use the power. Uh, but that like further cements ties between the White Tower and Andor. And there's a long tradition of like queens of Andor or princesses of Andor going and spending some time in the tower just to like maintain those relationships. Right. So that's cool. That makes sense. Um, and that's also to set up the fact that Morghese's daughter, Elaine, is going to go spend time in the tower and become an important character. There is no reason for <laughs> Agomar's sister to have done that because like one, the, the, can, the relationship on screen between Faldara and the Aes Sedai is tense, right? Like Moraine shows up and they're all suspicious of her. So, okay, cool. But your sister spent time in the White Tower. Wouldn't that mean your sister would be kind of comfortable around Aes Sedai because she spent time there? But no, yeah. she like doesn't like Moraine even though they're from the same institution functionally. Also, this will become more important in the second episode, but there is no way the Aes Sedai would have let this lady, I think her name is like Lisa or something, or like Amalisa. Uh, I can I look it up so, on the yeah. IMDb in a second. But there's no way the, the White Tower would have let her come to, the, to be trained, discover that she is insanely powerful, as will be established in the second episode that we're going to talk about, and then just <laughs> let her go. Like, they don't do that. If you're powerful yeah. enough to become an Aes Sedai, they keep you in the tower and they make you an Aes Sedai because they don't want random people running around the world who have the ability to use magic and are outside of their control, right? Um, and again, this is like a really important thing later in the series. Like a lot of the actions of the White Tower that are difficult and frustrating are because they want to control magic as any powerful institution of wizards would. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, everything you just said twice. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> it, it, it is It is a weird, it, it's sort of like almost a, 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 it's like they're trying to still contain, like uh, uh, build tension uh, where there's no real reason for you to need that. Uh, I mean, there's sufficient already. Yeah. But also, like, like you said, like if she had trained even a small bit, like... Uh, <laughs> If we had gotten a little bit more of this character beforehand, I I, I also uh, have to admit I, I don't remember what her name is. I'm currently um, looking it up. Um, you know, Lady Amalisa. Okay, Lady Amalisa. Um, you know, so you, you need to build up a little bit. Uh, like if you want to. If you want to have her, okay, so she she went there, maybe she she went there with stars in her eyes about coming back as an Aes Sedai uh, to help finally to have, you know, because, you know, this is this is a moment where you need uh, your uh, I hate I hate to do the meme, but, you know, you have to have, you know, where was the White Tower when Faldora <laughs> when Faldora, <laughs> Faldora well, fell, fell, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when yeah, yeah, over on Melchior fell. Um, you know, that type of thing where where you you have 
this thing where, um, you know, they, they asked for aid. The Aes Sedai were busy, you know, doing something else. Yeah. Um, perhaps it was, it was a, is a valid thing. Maybe it happened during the, during the actual Aiel war. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that yeah, sense. that would make sense. But, but the, the fact of the matter is that then, they send the the sister, you know, Lady Amelisa, to train because finally we can have our own Aes Sedai to that is loyal to us more than anything else. Uh, you know, go and train and come back and blah blah. And then she fails. See, that would be a bit more, but you need to build up the character a little bit more than just just have her appear and then suddenly there's like almost a pre-gen <laughs> nature of the conflict just there like oh so she didn't graduate so she hates the Aes Sedai now it's like why <laughs> she, she she spent time with these people I don't understand what I mean I, if she's missing out on all the Aes Sedai parties we don't get that either so it, it's not yeah like I, I don't understand it um but uh in any case let, let's move on to the next episode because um well there is one more thing about episode seven which is at the very end uh we finally finally find out who the dragon reborn is <laughs> in case you hadn't deduced it, it with your brain yeah i mean spoilers <laughs> for a, a series of books it's more than 20 years old yeah um <laughs> Uh, yeah, it, it, big, big surprise. I mean, it, it is weird because, um, what, when is it in the book? Isn't it like till almost the third book that it doesn't become clear? Yeah. So in the, in the book, uh, Moraine is pretty confident that Rand is the dragon reborn and that's why she takes him to the eye of the world. Right. Because, but also there's a reason they do that because like in the books it's it's much more clearly set up that there's a hole in the dark one's prison and his influence on the world is getting stronger and so moraine is like the last battle could literally be about to happen we need to get to the eye of the world uh so that like the you know the dragon reborn can seal the hole in the dark one's prison and we can avert the end of the world right it turns out that all of this is like not actually the case as the series goes on but it, at the end of book one, like the characters are pretty confident that Rand is the dragon reborn, but he hasn't yet fulfilled all the prophecies and stuff. So then the next couple of books are all about him essentially like demonstrating to the world that he is the dragon reborn by fulfilling all these prophecies. So it is similar to the show. My frustration with the show is that like in the book, uh, it was never really in question, right? Like. <laughs> It was Rand the whole time. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, uh, part of it is that they, they introduced the, I think wisely in, in a certain way, yeah. uh, they introduced the idea that um, any one of them, including Egwene, uh, and Nynaeve, could yeah. be, and Nynaeve, uh could be the dragon reborn because all of them have like very strong, um, what is it? The top tower or whatever. Tavern, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> an elf and a dwarf walk into a tavern. <laughs> um, oh my god! Yeah, and, and start a bar fight. Uh, they meet Min, sadly, uh-huh. and she dies. Um, anyway, so um, 
Yeah, and I like so I I think that you're right that that was a smart thing in the show to sort of set up and give more weight to the ensemble in the first few episodes. But the the what what really frustrated me is how they kind of tried to turn it into a twist, right? Mm-hmm. Like they had been signaling really hard that oh Matt might be the Dragon Reborn because he's been going crazy and stuff. Um, but then it was just the dagger, and then in this episode they have this montage, right? Where we see all these <laughs> Matt, Matt just ate a bad piece of chicken. And, yeah. Uh, oh, oh wait, no, he's fine. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, it turns out he was just yeah, just, just had the had tummy poisoning. But they have this montage at the end of the episode where they revisit all of these scenes of Rand doing these like feats of strength or whatever. Like one of them is when he knocks down the door um, in the inn that like um, the one I can't remember her name now, but the Dana, right? The the yeah, Dana tells her that it's it's yeah, ironwood. Iron yeah, it would take five five men to knock yeah, it down. Then he, and then he like knocks it over with his shoulder. Um, and then also there's a, a bit in the ways where like Egwene is about to get uh, killed by a trollic, murked by that trollic, yeah, and yep. Rand mm-hmm. like grabs her and pulls her away. Um, and in the when in, in the original when you first saw the show, you thought the Trolloc got knocked away by like a Gween using magic or something. But <laughs> then they revisit all these scenes, but they add in the little CGI element of like the, the black tainted uh, magic um, <laughs> threads. So it's yeah, clear like, that Rand like, was using magic in all of these situations. I, I Yeah. It's sort of silly uh, because this folks, this ain't like the sixth sense, you know, it's not like, Oh wow. This recontextualizes yeah. everything is like, no, this is, you know, this is just, we, we knew it. It's, it's fine. You, you can just tell them. <laughs> I'm getting worked up about how dumb this episode is. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because as you were mentioning that, um, uh, I, I just had like the just a very simple because it's it happens uh, like he's he's firing arrows at a target, right? Yeah, like to to work, you know, like basically work off steam. Yeah, um, and it's it's such a, I feel like it's a missed opportunity. They could have just cut all that dumb shit out. Yes. Um, and just have him maybe have a couple of instances where he, you, you sort of tip the hand, tip your hand a little bit, like maybe reshow the door thing and have him sort of like, maybe, you know, like I know voiceover is uh, a, 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 10 pound hammer sometimes, but you could just use voiceover of people like, you know, how did you do that? Or, you know, whatever that type of thing. Um, and just have him like, just basically the last arrow he fires is basically just randomly just becomes fire and lights up the, the, the hay target, you know, and there you yeah. go. That's something all like need. that would have been way cooler. Like, it's yeah, I think they could have I would I wouldn't have had a problem with them flashing back to like the door thing if they did it in a less, you know, ham handed way. Like they didn't mm-hmm. need to add in the CGI element. They could have just had him re- like remember doing that and then remember Dana saying like that would take five dudes to do that. And then right. like be thinking about all these things that happened. And it would have been it would have been more effective, I think, if they had created more moments like that throughout the series for him to revisit in his head where they didn't have to like take something that looked normal, like saving a Gwen from the Trolloc and just put in the little CGI things to make it look like he did magic. Right. Well, yeah, like he yeah. said, he sent his memories uh, over to the, the VFX team to CGI it <sighs> yeah. up. Um, but, but uh, so 
So I, I feel like uh, after this, then it real like if this hadn't already been on rails, this is where uh, Moraine and Rand put on roller skates and just like just <laughs> jet yeah. uh, to the end of this this uh, season because they basically uh, secretly. Moraine takes Rand alone. If I'm remembering, <laughs> it's all of them together, right? Yeah. Go to the into the blight. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it's sort of a weird thing to just like, oh, we're just gonna leave, leave, and uh, not tell anybody, not say anything. Yeah. Uh, it's it's such a weird thing, and I so. I f- yeah, go I, ahead, I, go ahead. I feel like they kind of wrote themselves into a corner where in the previous episode, in in episode six, Moraine had like said very clearly whoever is there at the eye of the world other than the dragon reborn will die. So if she takes everybody after Rand is confirmed to be dragon reborn, uh, she seems like a psychopath, (laughs) but but like, but then they have to give all the other characters things to do during episode eight, which only makes episode eight feel more disjointed and and weird. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there's a there's a, a sequence that got me thinking, um, and I, I don't know how to feel about this because it's it's a weird, it's like a weird sidestepping of an ethical problem that seems very strange to me, because um, while Rand and Moraine go off into the the blight, and we can we'll go back to that in a second. Uh, one of the things that they give the 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 characters to do is they give Perrin the dilemma of what to do when everyone else is there to fight. Also, let me yeah. let me also uh, preface that. Uh, let me frame this correctly. Uh, Faldara uh, basically has a, a policy that they they are currently opening the gates for any foreigners that want to leave to leave, <laughs> which is like <laughs> what yeah. the hell is going on here? <laughs> what fucking kind of place is this? What is going on in this show? Yeah. And then like the women stay behind to to defend, and that I get it, I guess whatever. But it's just such a weird. It was just such a weird thing, like. Oh, the foreigners have to leave. And you're like, wait, what is going? What kind of, what kind yeah. of ethno-nationalist state are we living in here? Well, they they tried to frame it as like, oh, we're not going to condemn you to stay here and fight for us, right? If you want to leave and abandon our, you know, abandon the defense of our city, you can. But it it also has the vibe of like, yeah, we don't want any of you here while this battle right? is happening, right? That, yeah, that, that's. I feel like. Uh, I, I I understand that yes the the what you the former thing that you said is probably what they meant, mm-hmm. but the way it's executed and because there's no real room to really let that idea breathe or you don't see any people staying behind other than obviously the the main cast, yeah. um, it, it comes off as very weird, very yep. strange. Yep. Um, Anyway, uh, so then, uh, to add to that, like the, the, the basically Lord, oh shit, I always Aglomar. forget Aglomar. Jesus Christ, I keep on forgetting yeah. that guy's name. It's all right. Um, There's like rides, thousands of named characters in the books. Yeah, There's yeah. Too it's, many it's, it, he rides off Faramir style to, uh, basically man the, 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 the last bastion, the wall that they have out there. And, uh, yep. it, it's just such a weird thing because then oh, on top terrible. of that, <laughs> on top of that, you have the Trollocs who 
uh, you know, at this point are just basically cannon fodder. They're just a, a, a non-specific other that is just there to just be killed Mm -hmm. with no guilt whatsoever. Right. They're, you know, they're they're not, yeah, they're just monsters, just boogeymen that, that, yeah, and the fades and so on and so forth. But, um, so then uh, to add to that, you just have them just basically climbing over each other to reach like the, the, the crenellations and like the, the arrow slits <laughs> yeah. to try to attack. And it's yeah. like, what is going what? It was straight out of World War Z. It was very weird. <laughs> well, I mean, before that, and, and the thing that came to mind is that there's this, um, I can't believe I'm going to reference this. There's a Xanth book. Oh, <laughs> Piers hey. Anthony uh, has this Xanth book. Uh, I believe is a cruel. Is it cruel lie? No, it's not cruel lie. It's the uh, the one with the spider. And anyway, the 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 goblins are basically presented as they hate themselves as a race, and so they don't care for their own lives. Mm. So they they basically do exactly that. They just climb all all over each other and it doesn't matter if you stomp the people below you like the goblins below you into into jelly because you've uh, increased the size of the goblin wall a little more so the next <laughs> wave can climb a little higher and get to the top of the the, the castle it's it had that same feeling like yeah it it's weird because uh again i i feel like this is a a type of writing yourself into a a corner type of situation because i feel like they were trying to go for a helm's deep situation yeah but the uruk high are much more human <laughs> they yes. act like actual human characters yep like they're they're bloodthirsty and they don't care for human life, but they care for their own lives at least. And they bring ladders at least Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think they were trying to create their epic uh, battle siege moment. And I don't, again, maybe it was budget. Maybe it was production was because of COVID. uh, But it's just bad. It's just real bad. Yeah. Like yeah, in every sad. way. Yeah. Yeah. And like what's frustrating again is like in the books, it's not a siege on us on like a fortress that's happening. There's It's just a battle on a field um, where like the Faldarans are riding cap, like riding horses. They're heavy. They're supposedly the borderlands are supposed to have like the best heavy cavalry in the world. Um, and so they just ride into these waves of troll and and, uh, do that. And I think that would have been way cooler, but that would have required them to have like horses um, and like a, an actual choreographed battle scene instead of just some like CGI stuff. And then a sh- some shaky cam in a hallway while people get hit with arrows. I mean, it's also uh, tremendously rushed and yeah. sadly that doesn't help any of this. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it doesn't feel epic at all, mainly because of, yeah, it's, it's, super rushed yeah um so you know we 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 barely get past the supposedly emotional beat of lord agalmar (laughs) yeah r.i.p i I hardly knew you that was Uh, another thing that like you know i don't want to harp too much on they didn't do it like in the books but like that dude is a really important character uh in like the next book and then also much later in the series uh and they just 
they just killed him. Um, which was, it's like, why? What's the point of doing that? What you're, you're basically writing yourself out of being able to do things that happen in the book now, or like you have to shoehorn in another character to do those same things. It's like, it, it, they wanted, I think they wanted to, I mean, and there's another example of this we'll talk about, I'm sure, but they wanted to do like a big character death thing because Game of Thrones did it. Uh, and that's like a talking point. And so they're like, we'll introduce this guy and he'll seem cool and then he'll die. But it doesn't work. It's bad and <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I yeah I don't know man it's it, it's it's difficult because then they they immediately go to the next beat which is uh, I forget if they 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 go back to to Rand and and Moraine or whatever but then the next beat is basically uh uh Lady Aveline uh linking together um is it Egwene like three other channelers Egwene yeah. and Nynaeve uh into uh, a link and just basically uh because I think this is something that uh is presented in the the books as well where you you could basically burn yourself out mm-hmm. um uh by by taking in trying to to channel way too much yeah uh, yeah so it is but um it's in the book, it's sort of like there are tiers of consequences to channeling too much. And the first one is you burn out, which means you just can't use magic anymore. Uh, and then, like, if you go way overboard, then you die. Then you literally kill yourself. Um, and in this, they sort of just combined them. <laughs> yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is, but it's also like, uh, I feel like it's way too soon after the previous character death for me to really feel much of anything. I don't know. It's just sort of a weird thing. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, that whole thing was, was confusing and weird. Um, so like, like you said, they get, they get these five women together and they all link up which is supposed to be like extremely difficult and complicated to do because it, it, and it should be because it like amplifies your power by a massive amount because you're basically like layering on the ability of the people you're linking with onto your own ability. So, uh, yeah. And so they link up to, to use the power to fight the Trollocs and, and kill a bunch of them. Um, and, then like the other random people start dying and burning out <laughs> because of course that's the whole reason they're in the scene is to just die. So they can introduce the concept of this happening. And then Nynaeve who is supposed to be like, and is has been established in the show. So it's not just the book either. She's supposed to be like incredibly powerful. Right. Right. And uh, she would then therefore logically be the last one to burn out. Because they're all draw like they're all drawing the power right at the same rate basically, and they're all feeding it to Lady Amelisa, and Egwene and Nynaeve are supposed to be like amazingly powerful. So Lady Amelisa should not be the last one to die, right? <laughs> she should yeah, well, be the she, fir- she should die before them. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, she she uh, she never took those uh, she never took the word problem uh, the 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 I Sedai word problems uh, back when she was studying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> five I Sedai channel at varying rates. Yeah, um, but then anyway, so like you said, then Nynaeve, uh burns out 
I guess her eyes turn black and she falls over and appears to be dead. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like the, the, the blackened Wojak. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. That's true. <laughs> so bad. That is accurate. You know what I actually thought of when I saw that effect in the show was, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the Dr. Strange movie, but the, the like weird purple effect mm. around, um, uh, the eyes of the bad guys in that, it looked like Mads, Mikkel- Mads, Mads Mickelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sadly miscast in these movies. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, anyway. no. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It, it looks like that uh, sort of like that uh, burnt, uh, like somebody took a wood burning kit to your face, you know, yeah. or something. It's just like, what? Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it, it's such a weird, uh, such a weird thing. And then she, she like, I guess the, the, the point was that she was, Doing a self sacrifice to save Egwene. I guess I it didn't. Know. It didn't really. I again, it's one of those things where like they didn't really establish what this is or how it works in a way that makes any sense. And so then when they try to like mechanically use what's going on to create a, a moment of emotional impact, it's it's just like baffling and hard to understand what the characters are even doing. And I think right. it's it's doubly so for me because like I'm watching this happening and in my head I'm trying to like map what i'm seeing on the screen onto what i know of how this should be working from the books and meanwhile they're not explaining how they're doing it in a clear way and so i'm just getting increasingly annoyed well i mean anyway. i think that the, i think that the the it should be a much more emotional like have a much more of an emotional impact i feel but yeah. because everything has been rushed um the and and granted, I, I don't feel like the line that um that that Nynaeve gives her is particularly like I don't know it it, it feels a little trite I don't know like what, what was it uh, to be a woman is to always be alone and to never be yeah. alone Which something is, like I, that yeah it's I know that it's supposed to be like this weird um sort of like you you go girl type of yeah uh, line which you know. For what it's worth, it would work if none of this had been sort of rushed, if stuff had been sort of established a little better. I don't know. It, or or if it, it just happened to be that like the, the magic, then the linking fizzles and then the Trollocs just basically overrun them or something. I don't know. And it's yeah. just a regular ass uh, battle where they're fighting just one on one type of thing. Um because we already, yeah, like we already got the big, uh, sort of like the big, sort of almost video gamey scene where she unleashes like a shockwave and just like just blasts all of them to kingdom come. Right. But, but you know, like okay, so then maybe there's again, you know, if you wanted to really ratchet up things, um, you know, sure, she blasted all of those, but there's like thousands more still coming. Right. Yeah, that would have been more, much more effective, and it would have like then then you you have them do that, and they're all exhausted, and then like they, the link breaks, and they have to go fight the Trollocs, and then Nynaeve does a self sacrifice thing or something, and yeah. that would have been like better. Uh, but they didn't have more than ten minutes to spend on this, so yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, we I think we we jumped over the one thing the cold open in this one is very strange because. It is also uh, once again. This is a a a reveal that is given. I oh, feel. Oh yeah. Oh my god. I completely forgot. Yeah. That's given like way before. Uh, it's like it's, this is something that doesn't happen to like the fourth book, right? When yeah. 
when Rand is like fighting out and amongst the Aiel or whatever, I forget exactly, but, but like he gets like a vision of what the, the distant past had been before the, like before the, the, the current age or whatever. And it's like yeah, the age of just, legends. Yeah. The age of legends just basically is science fantasy land, you know? It's, yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I, you know, and to be fair, like I remember reading that and that was sort of exciting. Uh huh. And then you don't really get much else of that yeah. <laughs> for books and books. And, yeah. uh, so, you know, it, it sort of, sort of squanders that, uh, that particular little glimmer. Right. Um, uh, but, but this actually goes straight, uh, to that and, uh, it shows like, Apparently, in a very, uh, a very funny sort of like, uh, you know, there, there's two people that you've never seen before in a <laughs> setting that you you don't know anything about. They're arguing over something that you're not entirely sure about that then that then becomes clear that oh, they have a chance to uh, to banish the dark one forever, blah blah blah. And it's like, and then at the end of the, <laughs> the sort of like at the end of the. Um, <laughs> The cold open is like, oh, thank you very much. Lose Theron, the dragon reborn. The dragon reborn. The, the dragon reborn. No. It cracks. That's just the dragon. That's He's the guy the that gets reborn. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Well, uh, and then they, uh, he's talking to, I forget the name, uh, who is part of the Tamerlan seat. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sometimes. Not, not to be confused with the, 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 Amerlin, the Amerlin seat, formerly known, the, formerly known as the yeah. Tamerlan seat. Uh, it's such a weird uh, way to open. It's so that weird. Is, I feel like it's complete fan service because this is yep. a an open that only makes real sense to people who have already read the books. Yeah, it's it is 100% um, fan service. I feel like the reason they did this is cuz they didn't know they were going if they were going to get more seasons and they were like, "Oh, we got to show the Age of Legends at some point, right? We got to make sure we get a chance to do that." But then they went and like wrote a scene which will only make fans angry. So it didn't work. It, it's weird that they just just didn't use the prologue. I know of, of the book of the existing book. They could have just which, done that, which is I feel like uh, would have actually granted it a, a, a lot more of an ominous quality, right? I mean, yeah. granted, again, uh, I think to your point, I, I'm not entirely sure that they knew whether they were going to uh, come back or whatever. But yeah, like just the prologue of him. Actually, in his madness, just like not sure if he's here or there and creating the dragon mount. I mean, that would have been cool. That would have been rad. And I actually, when the cold open started, that's what I thought it was going to be. Because I was like, you know, I I knew from an, I had enough context from having read the books that like, oh, this is definitely the Age of Legends because of the way they're dressed and like the environment that they're in and stuff like that. Um I wonder if this is their version of the lose Theron losing it and murdering everyone thing, right? Mm, yeah. um, but no, it wasn't. It was it was before that. It was him talking about his plan to go try to seal the Dark Ones prison. Um which but like it was like you said, it was a conversation totally out of context with no importance or meaning or connection to anything else. Like Well, I mean, and it's also like I I, t- t- I think that you you said that it would make fans mad, but I 
I would argue, Jeremy, that uh-huh. at this at this point, <laughs> like at the in the last episode, all the 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 fan books or the the uh, the fan books, the the book fans are probably just checked out of the series. <laughs> like fuck this, <laughs> fuck this bullshit. They they made too many changes. I'm not watching any of that. That's tr- uh, probably true. But 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 I I can't imagine another reason for including this scene. Like yeah. It's just out of left field and and it's the worst kind of like mysterious dialogue where there's no there's nothing to latch on to. Um, and then they like they, they play it off like there's like like it's a cool like, you know, when, when she says that line calls him the dragon reborn, they're like, ooh twist, aren't you interested now? And it's like, no, because <laughs> I don't know why that matters. You still haven't told me why that matters. Right. At no point in this show have you communicated to the audience clearly what that means. And now you've even confused me, guy who read the books, because the reason he's the dragon reborn is he is loose there in Telemon, the most powerful channeler in history, returned from death to be reborn in a new age and solve the problem. Right. Like, but now that's not the case because apparently loose there was already the dragon reborn. So there's another guy who's the dragon now, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. What is going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like they, they should have just, yeah. Like, I, I feel like they were just going for like the branded uh, name to, to yeah. just you know, poke people in the brain or whatever. It's like, Oh, dragon reborn. Uh, see, we, we, we said it. It's like, he's yeah. the dragon. He's just he's, the dragon. He just is the dragon. And it's not um, that it's, I think like if you've introduced the concept of rebirth, it's not that confusing to the audience to say, and that's the original guy who was reborn, right? Yes, exactly right. Um, so then uh, let's let's cut ahead to um, to the the I don't know if I, I, I liked or I I'm, I'm very conflicted on whether I liked or found it rather overused like the 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 cliche was overused when um rand finally gets to the eye of the world you know they go through this blight which just basically looks like it's it's like magical kudzu or something yeah i don't know it's just like what it reminded me a lot of um going kayaking in florida in uh the cypress um, groves yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. What are they called? I forget. Mangrove. No. Mangroves. Yeah, mangroves. Mangroves. Yeah. mangroves. It looks like that. Um, and I like. I think that's kind of cool. But it's just that. It's just this yeah, it, like it's gross, sticky they, mangrove grove. I mean, but but yeah. To your point, I think the issue is that it. It's like they took a a four by four square of that <laughs> graphic and yes. just cut and paste it. To the to the horizon. Yes, that the, is exactly what they did. Like, <laughs> um, and that's that's the entirety of the blight. Uh, and there's yeah. no like it's all very uniform. I don't know. Uh, yeah, they they could have done something else. I don't know. It, it whatever. It, it I didn't I didn't feel I really other than just like sighing a little bit and going like okay, so I guess this is what the blight is. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. Apart from that, I didn't feel any way about it because it's like, eh, okay, so it's a CGI effect, whatever. Um, I mean, I considering did- like with a lot of the stuff in this episode, considering how much time they had to spend on it, yeah, it like makes sense that it's a simple CGI effect just to convey like an alien landscape. 
Um, I really would have liked an entire episode dedicated to the sort of journey through the blight to get to the eye of the world because the blight is actually cool. It's like an interesting, weird sort of Boshian hellscape. Um, I mean, but you know, whatever, you know, honestly, it's not like they they don't have you know like the movie version of Annihilation to look at and go no, like, oh yeah. we could have done that right <laughs> like something weird and like just very uncanny about it like right. everything looks sort of okay but then if you look a little closer it's mm, all messed up <laughs> something's messed up about it uh, yeah. anyway so um so they get to the eye of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Two, <laughs> a male and female channeler uh walk into the eye of the world yeah. uh so um they get there and uh, i don't know if i cared that much about the the dream fake out initially mm-hmm. and then when they use it again it's just sort of like okay but why are you falling for this again <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah that felt lazy um like the whole yeah like yeah. like i feel like the dream fake out could have been it's it's perfectly fine for what it is it does have a a, a good shock you know it, it it suddenly shocks you and then it 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 works it works fine i did like uh when he fires the arrow and he sort of like pushes cool. all the way through and yeah. you see his full face not entirely sure about like casting uh oh shit what is his name here i'm uh, on the imdb Fa- page Fares Fares, i am yes. going to say is, is what it. his name is i think so. uh but a uh, sort of a i don't know how to feel about looking at a guy that looks at the very least i think he looks middle eastern mm-hmm. <laughs> as the dark one you're like yeah it's a little awkward mm. <laughs> you know I don't know. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know about either, this one, man. guys. Um, but fine, you know he he yeah he he got he got a job out of it. I'm gonna guess. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not entirely sure. I I, I dig it, but fine, whatever. Uh, it is what it is. Nothing nothing we can do about that right now. But uh, optics not so great. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, I mean that being said, I mean he he's he's pretty good. He I, is. I, I will say. And I think considering the character that he is actually like book spoilers, but it's not really the dark one. Rand doesn't defeat the dark one in the first book. Um, I think it works like he he embodies that character very well in terms of his like presence and and personality and stuff like that. So I was happy with the casting. I was less thrilled with the execution of his little mm-hmm. conflict with Rand. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do, I do like, uh, that we, we initially get him like in, at the beginning of the show when he shows up in the dreams or whatever, he, he's basically like the, the beast, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the different variations of, uh, story variations of the devil, right? So you, yeah. you, you get the full on beast or monster or whatever. And here he's just basically a gentleman devil. Right. He's mm-hmm. very urbane. He's very sophisticated. He speaks. He uses logic. You know, he tries to win and persuade Rand to his side. And I, I feel like that works um, to a certain extent. Uh, I don't know whether the contrivance of 
Haha, you're suddenly in another dream realm where all of your wishes have been granted. Aren't you happy? Don't you wish you could have this? Yeah, and that's more my complaint. Like, I like the the whole um, temptation to the dark side moment and stuff like that. I think that's that makes sense. But like, we've been talking a lot about how how little time they spent on like other things in this episode that could have used quite a bit more time just for like to make them effective storytelling. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, they spent, it feels like a third of the episode in this like dreamscape where Rand and Egwene have a kid and they're like, and and, like the dark one keeps going like, don't you want to, you know, live this life? I can give you this life. And Rand is like, I do kind of want to live this life. And he's just sort of like making a baffled expression. And it just keeps go- like there's there's a, if I remember correctly, there's like a chunk of that. Then we cut back to other stuff happening. Then we go back there and it's there for another like five minutes <laughs> before. It's, it's yeah, it's so it's so long in comparison. Yeah. And it's like it would have been cool if it had been part of his sort of pitch to Rand. Like he briefly like at the end, right after he's said all the things he wants to say, they go like poof. Now we're in this vision and like all the stuff I've been saying, look, I can give it to you. I'm giving it to you right now. Right. Just, you know, do what I'm saying. And this is what you can have. And then Rand is like in this emotional moment where he's seeing all these things he wants and he has to make the decision then. And then he makes the decision instead of it being this like drawn out thing. I feel like, I feel like the, the issue is, and and, and again, I'm going to harp on this a little bit more. The issue is that you had that dream fake out where, you know, Moraine looks like she's been killed by, by, yeah. uh, by him. And then they sit down and, and talk a little bit. Uh, and I feel like this time around should have been like Rand instead of being the most powerful dumbass in the world should have immediately been like come on yeah you got to try harder than that <laughs> you know <laughs> right dark one you got to try a little harder than that i you know you, you did the dream fake out on me and then you know, like maybe you know obviously i'm doing this off the cuff but then like he steps out and goes like you got me there tell you mm-hmm. what all of this that you see here could be yours if all you want, all you need to do is, you know, you have, you have, like, you cut to the chase because that's the part that was interesting to me, which is you have the power to remake the world the way you want it. This yeah. is what you want, right? right? Well, then let's go, let's get to it. Yeah. Um, because yeah. that's the, that's the heart of that conflict. And to draw it out is just sort of like, you're, you're, you're wasting my time, man. Right. I don't need any more explanation of, of what this is or, or what Rand wants to get out of this. I don't need, you know, I don't need to watch him kind of stare in confusion at this baby for a minute and a half. Right. Like it's, it was, it was just so weird, but I think the reason that it's, that it, it takes up as much of the episode as it does is because compared to the other things going on, it's pretty easy to film, right? Mm, yeah. You're like on a soundstage with green screens and a little set and it's like four characters. So, you know, fill up the runtime with that so we don't have to go back to, you know, the Faldara set or whatever. Yeah, yeah I mean, I get it. But also like, because you're really just going back between like, this and you're you, you'd be cycling back and forth between this set 
the pastoral set, the dream sequence set, and the actual eye of the world, which is grimy and scummy. That would be uh, better. and you just sort of like cut to the chase, get to the get yep. to the battle part, because yep. I, I think that honestly, uh, his rejoinder um, actually hits. I feel like it really does, mm-hmm. uh, which is that uh, I think he says something to the effect is like, yeah, I do. You know, this woman that I love, uh, I do want this, but this is not what she wanted. Uh, or th- this is not what she would have wanted. And so mm-hmm. therefore he's, he's, you know, I feel like he understands like it, it it's a character growth moment. It shows yeah. that he understands a well enough to understand that this is not, this is not real. Um, and that right. he cannot force that either. Like of As, the four important things that happened in this episode, that one, Rand making the decision to, you know, not take the dark one up on his deal and his reasons for doing that. And the moment where he does it very effective. Mm-hmm. It's just frustrating that the setup for it was so overlong when the setup for all of the other stuff was so short and all of the other stuff went no, like felt completely flat in comparison. Yeah. It feels very unbalanced in that yeah. sense. Like yeah. the, 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 like the, the various sort of, uh, different sort of arc climaxes or whatever you want to call it sort of feel very uh unbalanced yeah yeah i don't know anyway well uh, it turns out oh oh and and (laughs) as if they haven't written themselves into enough corners i mean the shit how many corners does this fucking structure have a lot they they basically have it's like uh, it's like a hexagon the dark one basically uh uh, gentle or or shield stills. stills, stills I'm sorry. Word, yes, your yeah. stills. Uh, moraine, right. which again, nothing like that ever <laughs> happened in the book, right? If I'm no, not mistaken, certainly not at this point in the story. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is like okay, well, whatever. Um, what? what? Why? Yeah. I think so. I have a theory about that, and I think it's because they're accelerating something like a big moment that happens for ninety of is that she figures out how to fix stilling and gentling. Um, but that happens in like book five, I think it's either four or five. And <laughs> oh my so I, God. Yeah. I think uh, that Jeremy, there, Jeremy, you, yeah. you just, you just made, see, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if you know this. I'm going to go on a tangent real briefly. Okay. Sure. Um, apparently uh, silent Hill, you know, of the, the, the I, game. I am familiar. So apparently one of the big things uh, that ended up, uh, just in enveloping the forums to Silent Hill, the Silent Hill wikis, uh, in controversy was the fact that uh, there was a large part of the Silent Hill fandom that believed that it was all a metaphor for uh, restoration um, <laughs> ideology, <laughs> and it was like bringing back, uh, you know, t- turning back circumcisions. And you just what? reminded me of that because. Nynaeve uh, is 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 actually a restore a restoration advocate is what you're telling me <laughs> yes she is uh but she anyway <laughs> that's hilarious i never heard that before um, well, I, I, I i'm as surprised as you are and i just needed yeah, to let you know that i'm that, sorry I'm, thanks for the thanks for cursing me with that knowledge carla <laughs> you're welcome but uh in the anyway like much later on in the series she Nynaeve figures out how to fix selling and it's a big deal. Um, but it's ha- like the person that she heals is a different character for Moraine. And I think that what they're doing is they're trying to accelerate that 
to give Nynaeve something to do in the next book because she basically doesn't have anything or the next season because season. she basically mm-hmm. doesn't have anything to do for like two more books. Um, she's like well, kind of I mean, tagging than, along with other, other characters. Tug her braid or yeah. grit her teeth or whatever. Tug her, mm-hmm. tug her, tug, tug her braid and sort of hang out with Elaine uh, who we haven't met yet. So um, yeah, I think that they gave her, they created this thing so that she has something to do in book two or in season two or whatever. Um, but it is weird. It's another one of those like, why, why this? Okay, whatever kind of moments. Um, why wouldn't he just kill her? Right? Like, whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, anyway. So we got like two, three scenes left, right? I'm trying to remember how this ends. Because again, like this episode falls through my brain as though my brain was no a mesh no that i mean uh that like lan uh finds yeah, Moraine, right. and then he he that's where she can uh confesses to him that she can't you know she can't channel anymore or whatever yeah. um and and it sort of ends on that uh if i'm not mistaken oh well, and, other, and i'm there's sorry other it, stuff that happens though right <laughs> no no it, that's it i mean uh i i think we get like a scene or two of like the aftermath of the, oh. the characters picking up Oh, uh, we get, we get Perrin, uh, grabbing the axe, but so, so can I just say that the, (laughs) the horde of Valir, uh, wasn't found, right? Right. It was just in Faldara. They just had it this whole time. Well, not to mention, not, not only did they have it in Faldara, but they had it in some sort of loot box. (laughs) Yeah. I swear to God, it looks like, it looks like something out of the, the portal games. Yeah. Um, (laughs) it's pretty dumb, pretty goofy. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. This is like buried Uh, under the floor. I do have to say that um that the the actor that they chose for uh for Pelan Fane um shit I'm blanking on his name right now and I already closed out the uh the cast um, <laughs> the cast list it. uh it, it, the minute he walked through the way gates and you see him start walking, he's got like this swagger to his step you're like damn okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah um uh, what is, where I can't find him He's not on the list. Oh, there is Johan Myers or Johan Myers. Yeah. Um, Honestly, uh, great, great. I feel like he's got like a great physical acting ability. Yeah. Just sort of like, yep, that's me. I'm off to do uh, some nasty business. (laughs) I'm a bad guy. Look at my swag. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so he he walks off and uh, and he sort of like uh, forces Perrin to try to do something, which is to grab the axe instead of uh, do the peaceful thing, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't actually uh, attack him or do anything. Um, oh, yeah. that's the thing I was going to mention. So so can we loop back real brief because I don't want to take up too much time, but this is something that was nagging at me, mm-hmm. which was. So you do have uh, a moment where Perrin is lamenting the fact that everyone's basically getting ready to fight, but that uh, he has, he doesn't want to do that. So he has nothing to do. And loyal says that the way of the leaf uh, indicates that, um, you know, if you do not know what to do, ask, which fine, that's, that's fine wisdom. But then, so, I think my 
issue as I, I started thinking about it. And before, like for the you know, five seconds that you get to think about this, um, <laughs> Uh, before they cut to uh, Lord Algamar getting like basically gutted by a spear uh, is the fact that so, okay. So if you are dedicated ethically as a pacifist or not a nonviolent actor is helping people fight against that ethical <laughs> you would stance. think so wouldn't you i mean you know? that's the thing because it, it feels like it's a it's a really have your cake and eat it too moment where it's like yeah, yeah. let's uh help the guys and granted uh, to a certain extent they sidestep that because he helps them get the horn of velier <laughs> out from under the throne <laughs> Yeah, that's about it. But then, yeah. But then, like the the question then remains, right? Would the Tuathan, if they were in the middle of a battle, like if they wandered into the middle of a battle, would they be helping either side, <laughs> either uh, you know, gather arrows or you know, sharpen their weapons or anything of the sort, or would they just be like? Um, yeah, no. To what extent is contributing to the effort to do violence itself doing violence, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's it's a, it's a really interesting question that is completely whiffed on. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like, we talked in previous episodes about how much they could have done with Perrin uh, to explore this sort of, like, pacifist tendency more and more effectively. And it feels like they just want to kind of pretend like that's what they've been doing. Um, like they've raised the idea a couple of times where like, you know, when they were with the Tuatha and uh, th they talked about the way of the leaf and Perrin was like, that sounds nice. But, you know, what if somebody's trying to murder you? Uh, and then, you know, with him and with the white cloaks and he kind of loses it and has his beast mode moment and stuff. And, and is, it's kind of scary. Uh, and that sort of furthers his discomfort with violence, but they don't really give him a moment to like actually think about it or actually uh, communicate clearly what his thoughts are in the moment uh, about mm -hmm. violence. Right. So we get to this moment where everybody's getting ready to fight and they want to pretend like Perrin is has chosen nonviolence. Right. Or like he wants to choose nonviolence rather than helping fight even though up till this point like he has helped fight right like <laughs> i mean <laughs> uh, even in this and and again i think we, we we could you know we could repeat that instead of you know uh, concentrating on stuff that is not as important as the character moments they could have had just maybe he goes and asks you know how he can help and a couple of people say, well, you could, uh, you could do this. And it, it, any, it, at least one or two instances where it's something that would actually be like, yeah, you could, uh, carry these swords out to the, to the wall or whatever, or, yeah. or what have you, or, or load up the arrows on the ballista that the women are, are manning or, or, or 
manning uh <laughs> Our operating 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 yeah. um uh in any case uh and then have him refuse that because he says no that's see that's that's violence or you know that that would contribute to yeah. you know killing people which i do not want to do or something to that effect uh maybe not quite as ham-handed as that but yeah, yeah just have him just like decline is there something else i can do right. and then you know it, the last resort is him to you know is is for him to help them uh, recover and protect the Horn of Velier, right? Yes. Um, Which is again under floorboards. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's it's uh, the wildest thing. I can't yep, wait for uh, like for Perrin to meet his wife, in, who is a hunter for the Horn. Later, and she's like, "Yeah, <laughs> I, I took a, a I took the oath in Ilian to hunt the Horn and spend my life searching for it." And he's like, "Oh, uh, it was just under some floorboards in Faldara the whole time." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, apparently old granny Algamar Alga, uh, <laughs> yeah uh, uh, hit it anyway. under some he had it under his mattress you know? yeah <laughs> all this, he just all didn't tell time. anybody about it they just had it yeah oh god anyway yeah I, I just wanted before we we close this out I just wanted to point that out because that that was something that really given how warlike and how borderline eliminationist a lot of the fight scenes felt mm-hmm. and how sort of um there's these very odd messages happening uh in the writing i wanted to to really point out that this you know perrin's ethical dilemma is very underserved oh yeah and especially since like at no point in the show have they done anything to establish that Trollocs are anything more than like mindless monsters mm-hmm. that just want to murder everyone and eat them. Like they're literally hurling themselves at a wall and building a body, uh, like a building a ramp out of their own corpses in order to get at the Faldaran defenders. Pretty much, yeah. It doesn't feel like you know you witness that and think, hmm, is it ethically acceptable for me to hit one of those with an axe? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it 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 does the thing that uh, it it gestures towards pacifism or nonviolence as a an option, but not a serious option. Yeah, it's like it's obviously not legitimate in the face of the situation they're in. Right. Like, right. It's just it's bizarre. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I I remembered the other scene that happens that is sort of like the cap on the Nynaeve getting burned out thing, which is Egwene healing Nynaeve from being dead. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, she was dead, but she got better. She yes. was definitely dead. Like that's, that was so weird. Cause I, I, at first I was like, wow, they just killed Nynaeve. That's a bold move. And then I, I thought about it. It's like, no, of course they didn't. Somebody's going to fix her. And then Egwene just immediately is like, and she's better now. And it wasn't even hard. It just, it just did it. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, uh, bizarre. Oh <laughs> weird. Very yep. weird. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Yeah. That, that was season one of the wheel of time folks. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I like parts of it. Did not like the last two episodes. Clearly. Uh, my, my biograph experience of this show, I think I've, I've mentioned before, kind of like started medium was on a kind of steady upward trajectory until episode five. And then six was a little bit worse than five in some ways for me. 
but still good. And then it just like falls to zero. Like mm-hmm. just, I was totally out of it with these two episodes, but I will watch season two just to see where they're going. See if, you know, see if it gets good again. Cause like, yeah, I, I, if, if it weren't for COVID and like the, the, the way that that definitely impacted this, I would probably be out and just like done with the show. But I, I want to see if, if they can do better when they don't have to deal with, you know, that. Well, yeah. And, and also like, you know, the, the fact that they, they're not trying to, um, like they, they have the next two seasons sort of, you know, secure. They're not going to get cut, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, let's see. Uh, but, but definitely whenever season two comes around, we'll bring you back. <laughs> yes. The wheel turns and, uh, so does the season, I guess. Uh, does and that we'll, make we'll me Podside Picnic's official wheel of time correspondent? Well, you're the scholar, sir. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not the expert here. I'm yeah. expert. I'm an expert on, on, uh, doing this podcast, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and writing good horror stories. Well, there you go. Well, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll, uh, I, I'll continue to try my hand at that then. All right. Well, um, Jeremy, uh, uh, of course, great to have you back. Uh, awesome to, to talk a little bit more about this show. Uh, and, uh, well, well, obviously, like I just said, bring you back for whenever season two comes around uh, yeah. and hopefully before that. Right. Um, so um, I hear that you have something of a book out. Maybe I do. more than one. I have one book out and one book that will be coming out. Um, so, yeah, Hand of the Sun King. I've plugged it at the end of every episode of this series. But yeah, my debut fantasy novel got some good reviews. Uh it's pretty good. It's sort of post-colonial, sort of a coming-of-age novel, epic fantasy thing. Uh, <laughs> the pitch gets more straightforward and more buzzwordy the more I give it. Uh, <laughs> the second book, The Garden of Empire, the cover just was released um, a week ago as of the recording of this podcast. And that is due to come out in August as well. So if you're the kind of person who wants to wait for a series to be more than one book before you start it, you could start it. Because it will be at least two books. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we'll be sure to include that in the show notes. And uh, uh, thanks again, Jeremy. Uh, always, it's a always a pleasure. To be pleasure. Here. Yeah. Yes, and uh, I do want to thank everyone for listening in to our episodes on the Wheel of Time show, uh, and we'll catch you all next time here on Podside.